Hello, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. For this show, we had the good fortune of having on new University of Minnesota president, Joan Gable. President Gable came on the show to talk about what it's like being the new person on campus, and what her hopes and plans are for running an organization with 35,000 students, a $4.2 billion budget, 26,000 staff, and over half a million alumni. No big deal. Our media sponsor for this season was MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more information at MinPost.com. Thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Delighted. I So there's been a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of the firsts that you make, but I, I do think that you are probably the first president of a university to come to a bowling alley theater uh, and do an improv comedy show. So, I'm claiming it. I'm yeah, the first. You're the first. Yes, Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so l- let's rewind the clock a little bit. Uh, you were, as I noted in your intro, provost uh, at uh, another university, and then a job opening happened yes. at the University of Minnesota, and you were like, mm, I really, I really want to do that and i'm curious like what what is it about that like the being university president because i we did a show last year about sort of being president of the university and a lot of that show was like oh this is a hard job (laughs) like you know this is a job where like if the football team loses just clear your day because you're gonna get a lot of phone calls um and so you signed up for that why well the football team hasn't lost yet have they (laughs) First. <laughs> uh, it is a big job. It that's is a big true. Job. But I think uh, for those of us, and I, pro- I probably have university colleagues in the audience, although I can't see you. Yay! But uh, if you if you are interested in young adults having maximized opportunities, there's really no place better to do it. And I think a lot of us uh, end up running the universities or doing the different things that we call administration by accident. Most of us start as faculty, and we teach, and we do research. And then we decide that we think we should figure out how to make the place work better, and all of a sudden you become a university president. That's kind of how it works. (laughs) And you were a faculty. I was. And Mm -hmm. and do you miss that? I do. I think all of us, I mean, that's really fun, is to be in the classroom and to do your research. But I don't miss it more than I like doing what I'm doing now. So, let, uh, this is sort of an open-ended question. What is it that you do now? I, I... This. I do this. <laughs> For a living. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, university president, it's like we all, we, we see you on, in the paper and we read about uh, sort of you being at things like this or at ribbon mm-hmm. cuttings or uh, X, Y, and Z. And yet, I am just, like, what is your... Day like day like well no two days are alike that's for sure but so there is the whole outward facing part that people see when we have a public event or we have a team on the field and the camera pans and they catch me or um, something happens that people think or think is interesting and it ends up in the newspaper but the bulk of the day is actually spent doing things like planning academic programs and working on budgets and figuring out how to get faculty what they need so that they can cure diseases and put on amazing performances and do all the wonderful things that they do and making sure our students are set up for success. And that's really at the core of it, what we do all day long. When you, you've been in the, I know that your official inauguration was actually very recent, but you've been here since about June, July? July 1st. Tomorrow is 100 days. 100 days. Mm -hmm. Ooh. (laughs) 
have you been surprised uh, by the amount of agency and power that you have or the lack of agency and power that you have as a university president? I think other people think I have more power than I have. That's for sure. But it is what I, I knew how much power I would or would not have uh, because I've been doing this for a long time. But there is this uh, perception of omnipotence and that is so not the case. Like what, do you have any, like has anybody come to you and they've been like, you know what the, well actually I know that this is a real thing like the food in the cafeteria is like a, a thing like get rid of those fish sticks. Um, <laughs> that was Sunday night dinner my entire childhood. Am I the only one? Friday nights during Lent but um, yeah. <laughs> Fair. That's right. You fit in here but in Minnesota. That was twice yeah. a week but uh, no, those just brought back all kinds of memories. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, rewind just one more step with me uh, to uh, before you actually were given the position. There was this weird place. It was weird for us in Minnesota, and I was we were curious how this was for you. Um, we got to a place you you applied, and along with a bunch of folks for this role. And then we got to a place where there were three finalists mm-hmm. in theory, but. It, there was this weird thing where it was like, okay, you're the finalist to be the president of the university. We have to announce who you are. The other two finalists were like, well, I don't want you to say that I'm a finalist unless I actually have a job. You were the only one who was like, yeah, announce me. Like, I'm ready to be announced. Uh, Is that really how it sounded when I said that? Because I'm thinking it didn't sound quite like that. <laughs> fair. But okay. Fair. That's fair. Um, I'm, so uh, what was that? Because then you ended up in this, you came here, you toured, you interviewed with people, but you didn't technically have the job yet yet you were the only finalist Mm -hmm. what was that i don't know was that sort of like being like the the last bachelor like on the bachelor but it's like will we will i get the rose or will they decide to just cancel the show i don't know it was exactly like that (laughs) no so there's a lot of conversation uh publicly and i know all my university colleagues around public searches and private searches and wanting people to be able to express voice about who leads the university and also recognizing that those of us who might be candidates for a job like that have a job and if it's known that you're pursuing something else that can put your current job in jeopardy and trying to strike that balance and thread that needle and it's hard and we have candidates on campus right now for the last week and a half who are candidates for the provost job and they all had to go public so I made them all go public when I didn't have to. You can interpret that however you want to, but that is what we did. But my um, feeling at the time was that I wanted it badly enough that the risk was worth it to me. And why did you want it badly enough? And particularly, I'm giving you, this is sort of me just easily setting you up for like playing to the audience. Why Minnesota? Well, Tane, Minnesota. (laughs) Minnesota is great state and we all love it and we love it despite anything that we might, you know, Uh, the weather, all the things that people talk about. But I think at its core, and I still have a lot of objectivity about this, this is a place where if you've invested your life in education, you really want to be. This is a place where if you care about how a community works together to try to make everyone better, this is where you want to be. I uh, missed having four seasons. I missed being in a metropolitan area. There were sort of these soft things that also were here that were bonuses. Um, I like being back in an airport hub city, you know, little things like that that make a big difference in your quality of life when you travel a lot. But at the end of the day, I wanted to be at a large public university that had a really strongly anchored Michigan. Michigan. Where did that come from? Mission. Mission. 
I can I just say, if that's your biggest gaffe as a president, <laughs> oh like, God. Uh, you're doing pretty well. Um, um, hold on one second. Yeah, Wait, okay. Just one second. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> really great mission. And was in a community where the legislature really cared about education. And all that exists here. So I feel very lucky. I really do. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about what your actual job is. When you came in, you, have, you had some things that you, you know, you get into the job and it's like you were sort of be, um, I don't know, trying to win this job for a while. And now you're in it. And you have things that you are saying, I want to do with the university. Like you have goals and missions. So what were some of those that you were like, if I'm here, these are the things that I really want to make happen? So that's one of those um, agency questions because the president doesn't really uh, unilaterally decide what happens for the university. It's the collective community voice, and we call that shared governance. And it's a gnarly thing to navigate through, but really good things come out on the other side. So we're pretty seriously committed to it. But there are some things that we've already, as a community, voiced that I agree with, so we're all on the same page. So we are doing a whole strategic planning process, and by next summer you'll see that pretty much fleshed out subject to all the appropriate approvals. But in the short term, we're working really hard on student mental health. Mm. There's, it's, not, um, it's not funny, <laughs> I'm afraid. No, no, but it's a but good But it's very yeah, serious, yeah, yeah. and it's a national concern, and we should and can be thought leaders. And so we're working on pulling the pieces together to make that happy so that our students are successful, which, of course, we want them to be, and so that they have happy and robust lives and show up here on Monday nights from October through November, <laughs> able to appreciate a really yeah. fun, humorous um, discussion about uh, big important issues. I love that intersection, and that's yeah. exactly the kind of people we want them to be. Um, and uh, we're working on um, other attributes of their success: research and discovery, health sciences. Big partnership with Fairview that everybody read about in the paper when that was going on. Inclusion is super important to us um, in every way you would define it. And at the end of the day, we have to be good stewards of our money because we're a public institution. So, okay, each of these is really important and valuable. And um, let's talk a little bit more about the inclusion piece because this Mm -hmm. is a thing that uh, there's been a lot of discussions about uh, university in Minnesota, universities generally, being places that – Everyone can see themselves being there. And as you noted, you know, you have some agency. This is also something it seems like university as a whole has said is important. Mm-hmm. So what what needs to happen? Because, I mean, to be honest, like there are a lot of people right now who say, oh, I don't see myself there. I, I, it seems foreign or distant to me. So what has to change? What are you looking at needing to sort of shift and make different? So the best people to explain to us what we need to change are the students because that's who we're ultimately talking about. And we ask them individually and we survey them and they answer questions and then we compare it nationally. You know, we're very data-driven about these things. But one of the challenges is that you're looking at data, aggregated data, and it's a really personal human experience. And each person might answer a question the same way, but that doesn't mean it hits them the same way. And one of the most important things about inclusion is assuming that you know what someone needs in order to feel like they have a sense of belonging and a sense of welcoming. So what we really try to take advantage of in the beginning is that nobody's mad at me yet, so I'm out there a lot with the students. I'm out there a lot in the community. I mean, that's why you're seeing I'm here right now. And um, uh, and glad to be here. Let me just be clear about that. And It's good. <laughs> Note, at the 20-minute mark, she's still very happy to be here. (laughs) Happy, happy. Um, And we ask 
what they need. And then we try to do as many of the things that we have control of. There, We don't have control over all of it. This is a social question that goes far beyond the walls, literally or figuratively, of the campus. But the parts that we do control, we try to deliver. And some of it's programs and some of it's unique support. And some of it is making sure when we hire faculty and staff that we reflect the community that we serve. We do a lot of implicit bias training because mm. implicit bias, by definition, you don't know you have. These are good people doing things they don't even realize they're doing you have to lean into training in order to try to overcome that so we require that we did it for both search committees for these two major searches we have students on those search committees Mm. and then we rinse and repeat over and over and over again because it's a moving target that's right um so that's a a really important one you also mentioned fiscal stewardship which is a big thing i know it's obviously news, and it's a big thing every year. If the tuition goes up or if the university is asking for more money from the legislature, uh, again, maybe just give us like a picture like uh, for where you sit, where do you have things you can do? Like what are the tools that you have to try and influence that? And where don't you have tools that maybe people think you have some control or power over it? That's a really good question. So I'm still learning the budget. So we'll call this one an educated guess, shall we? Perfect. <laughs> so uh, there, it's it always sounds like an enormous amount of money, and it is. The entire budget of the university is huge. It's almost more than you can get your arms around. But what people sometimes forget is that the vast majority of that budget, over 80%, is people. So when you start mm. really making changes and looking for cuts and you hear the phrase administrative bloat, that means that people go away or at least from their employment at the university, they don't go away. But, um, it's like, you have a lot them. more power than I thought. <laughs> That's right. Um, they, they might not be employed. And so we really think very carefully before we would pull a lever like that because we are our, it's our biggest asset. It's our most important asset is our people and our cre- in a creative economy. I mean, this is what we bring to the table at the end of the day. And uh, so there's not as many degrees of freedom as you might think there is, given the amount of total money on the table. So we work in the margin. It's still a pretty big margin, relatively speaking, but we look at things like where we can find efficiency or where we can invest now that might increase revenue later. That piece of the margin starts to sound sort of corporate, actually, which isn't necessarily a popular way to describe it, but it does reflect what we're trying to do, which is to be clever and grow our resources so that we can get back to those other pieces like successful students and research. Uh, there's a piece, uh, this is a big philosophical question, but I was really interested in asking you about this, which is, we live in this very interesting time mm-hmm. where, on one hand, we are kind of all told, like, everybody should be going to college, which I think is actually a thing we could argue about, uh, potentially, but we kind of live in this culture where it seems to be, there's a big push, more and more people should be going to college. And at the same time, we live in a culture where there is very clearly a bias or there are people who have a bias against sort of elites or you know Mm -hmm. eggheads uh, Mm -hmm. people who kind of come from these places both those things are true at the same time we both are pushing people to go to college and then there's both this sort of distrust of institutions and whatnot Mm -hmm. and then you are the university is sort of in the middle of that more so in some ways than almost anybody else because you're a university for everybody in in a way Mm -hmm. And so how do you, do you have a role in, I don't know, uh, navigating either one of those things? Because, you know, you could kind of critique either point. You could kind of just say both of these are true. We'll just meet you where you're at. I don't know. How do you sort of think about that? Well, we think about that a lot, actually, especially because 
because we're uh, mission mission driven to serve the state, uh, we want to make sure that we're per- that when our students graduate, they're prepared for things that the state needs, even though they have choices within that range. That certainly the options are available so that their education is fulfilling workforce needs or um, industry trends and things along those lines. We take that into consideration. And we know that a big part of the shortage in this state and around the country is in the trades and that that isn't something that you necessarily get a university degree for. You certainly can, but a lot of that education might not be traditionally what we would provide on our in the Twin Cities campus or around the system and our other campuses in the state. And so I, when we're part of that is not a, a, a student has their own agency to decide whether they want to come here and they can look at their options and make their choice. I think our job is that when that student comes, we make sure that we give them everything we've committed to giving them. So they're taking a set of courses and having out-of-the-classroom experiences and engaging in the community in a way that, sure, they should be employable when they graduate, but they also should be ready for things that haven't even happened yet. You know, They have a, an ability to cope with uncertainty, to communicate, to think critically. We think that's what a university degree does, and I don't really think there's ever a real shortage. And one of the way of opportunities for people like that, and one of the ways we see that is, at the end of the day, a lot of the people who um, are most vocal about criticizing um, the role of the university or the value proposition of the university, which we do need to articulate, they're still calling me saying, can I get my kid a tour, right? They still want their own children to go to school because we know at the end of the day that education is the cornerstone to social mobility, either getting it or keeping it, and that's we and for good reasons, because you're able to discern, you're able to lead, you're going to be the one to start the next business. Some people are intrinsically capable of doing that without an education, but most of us need that extra help. I certainly did. So on that same note, how does, uh, this is a huge question, but I mean, uh, <laughs> how how is higher education university sort of changing? Like, looking, like, are there things that are like right on the horizon that you're sort of looking at and you're like, yeah, uh, in 10 years, like, we will knock down all walls, uh, all classrooms will be uh, just will virtual. I don't know. Like what? No, is, no. Uh. <laughs> it's a great idea. No, we. Uh, there are some. I mean, if you've been doing this for a while, or you remember back to your college days, a lot of things have changed. So, I mean, who remembers taking their class schedule and going from table to table to get their classes and to do that kind of sign up? All of that's electronic now. The way in which students see what they need to graduate is electronic. How we identify students who might be at risk and need additional tutoring is electronic. Um, Some content delivery is electronic. That was supposed to be the big disruptor. It hasn't turned out to be as much of a disruptor as was originally predicted. We sort of blended a little bit with that and was a little softer um, you know, we held hands instead of punching each other in the face, and we're all much happier for it with online delivery and those were the course content. You know, those uh, were yeah. the options. Um, <laughs> you know, to each his own. Yeah, Choose yeah. whichever one you want. Yeah. But uh, but things that are changing that are, we're starting to talk about are things like um, what does a degree mean? Mm. Do you need to have a complete bachelor's degree or whatever is the appropriate credential in order to be sort of seal of approval certified for certain types of employment opportunities and do we need to rethink what it means to be credentialed that's sort of the um when you get to the bottom of a couple of these kind of conversations that we hear having and a lot of our competitors are disrupting in that area they're sort of flipping the script in that area and do large traditional research universities like us have a play in that space 
That that is. I, I the only piece on this I would just if you the anecdote. I I was at the Humphrey School in 2016. We were still using blue books, which I was like, yeah, that's that's like 1890. Uh, so, but it's fine. Uh, so. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so last piece on this, and then I should say, the second half of the show, uh, we open it up for you all to ask questions of our guests, uh, but I, a lot has been made of, you know, you're the first female president of the University of Minnesota, and I'm always, like, nervous, or not, I, I just, I'm always never sure exactly, like, what to make of that, because I... I assume, and maybe the, you don't want to sort of be thought of as just like the first female president, and yet that's also noteworthy. It's mm-hmm. something. So I was just trying to turn it back to like, how should we think about that? How do you think about that? Well, I think I want to be known as the first and only president to do <laughs> improv in a bowling alley <laughs> with Tane Danger. That's what I. That is such a good answer. Only first. <laughs> Can we do keep that round of applause going for University of Minnesota President Joan Gable? We're going to sit. Okay. If you have a question, uh, raise your hand, and I will come towards you in a non-threatening manner uh, with the microphone, and I will reward you with a sticker, or if it's a really good question, a pop socket. Uh, all right. Do you have a question? Yes, that's a finger. So, okay. Hello. I'm, I'm asking this on behalf of the fellow next to me. His name's Cleet Strack. He wants to know, is there a camp or a training camp of sorts for new presidents? Oh, that's a great question. That's a pop socket question. Cleet knows the answer to that because we were on the plane together accidentally when I was flying to my class. There is, um, and I called it summer camp for new presidents, and then it ended up in the newspaper that way. But there is a, a school, like a seminar. We'll call it a seminar. They, they do. A, there's a few of them around the country, and I did attend one. And thank God, or what would we be doing today? <laughs> Wait, can you? Okay, tell us more. Uh, so what, 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 is, what is summer camp like for university presidents? So the one I went to was at Harvard because, you know, Harvard. But the, we, it was morning till night of... Uh, 50 new presidents from all different kinds of schools. I was the biggest. Two of the military superintendents were there, all the way down to a fellow who runs a seminary for 100 people, all in the same program. And Can it was, I just ask, did you, did you say that, like, oh, all the way down to that? Just in size. Oh, Tane. <laughs> in... In size, in size. I get it, I get it, I get it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's good. Um, oh, I'm, I hope I didn't say that. <laughs> we were actually there. He's a, so, he's a seminarian. I'm sure he'll he forgive you. He forgave me, yes, yeah. exactly. I knew where you were going with that. So, uh, and we did strategic planning, how to work with your board, how to do improv comedy when asked, how to, uh, how to build your team. It was, it was really uh, like a, almost like a, uh, uh, it was like a school um, and a lot of it were things that we all had already done in different ways but none of them had done at this had done at this level so it was actually really helpful if for no other reason than to meet 49 other people going through exactly the same strange experience at the same time that's very cool okay other questions uh, and I will uh, come towards you raise your hand and I will reward you with again a sticker and or a pop socket Yes, you're like pointing at each other. Did you have a question somewhere? There? No. no. Oh, God, no. Why would I have a question for the president of the University of Minnesota? That's impossible. Um, hello. 
So as a student, um, there's a policy question that I'm very interested to hear about, which is uh, there is a place on campus called Dipido, which has introduced a new calzone named after you. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Oh, I'm so aware. I, I got to pick it. Everybody is just dying to know, have you had it before, and can you, can you give us some insights as to your experience with that? Uh, I am aware. I got to pick it. Um, it's called a Quattro Latticini. So you may be able to tell that there's some Italian blood flowing through these veins. And that is a very typical, it's actually not normally a calzone, but it's normally a pizza from the part of Italy that that side of my family is from. And it's um, four different types of milk-based cheeses, which is not the most enticing way to describe it, but that's what latticini means. And it's four cheeses and pesto. So it's vegetarian for those of you who are so inclined. And please, go have a Joan Zone at DP Doe. And they, and I don't, they didn't even give it to me for free when I came, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> FYI. It's <laughs> super right. yummy. Uh, this is like a good uh, excuse for me to ask you about your family. So did you grow up in sort of a family that was very, like, higher education inclined? Or no. Was, is this weird to your family that you're a university president? Super weird. Well, I... I think this is weird to every family. This is a very strange job. But uh, no, I do um, have a cousin who's a professor, but uh, other than it's not like either of us had a family history of it. And um, my mom was a speech pathologist and my dad was in law enforcement. On my husband's side, there are a lot of doctors, medical doctors, the real doctors. Um, apologies to all of the faculty. Wow. I know. That's what they say to me anyway. Uh, <laughs> so we should point out, you are a, a, a doctor as well. So you say that because I'm Dr. Jim myself, Robinson yeah. uh, over there is sitting, uh, thinking about going back to Crookston to get his uh, <laughs> medical degree. Anyway. I, yes. Uh, and I have a different kind. I, I'm actually a lawyer. I know everybody. Uh, so I have a JD. But, you have a JD. Uh, so, so you're Esquire. I'm Esquire. Exactly. Yeah. But no, no higher ed in my family. This is, I mean, it... it at the end of the day, there's only a few hundred people in the country who do what I do, so it's not a lot of uh, family history there. Okay, so I have just one more question on this, because this is a thing that comes up for me. Uh, like, when I come home, my family, like, I cannot explain to them for the life of me, like, what my job is. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, so just like, okay, I'm, I'm your family, you know, Thanksgiving, whatever. Uh, uh, we haven't seen each other maybe in six months or so, so... What are you up to? <laughs> but see, what my family wouldn't ask me to explain my day, that my father would ask about the football team, and if my mother were still here, she'd ask about whether the speech pathology program was taking care of the kind of... It, they would ask about the, the things that are um, interesting to them or that they can relate to that they know happen on a university campus. My kids, oh. which are who are 24, 21, and 17, would ask about student programs. My daughter would be very interested in what the food bank was like because that's what she was all uh, into when she was a student. And my son would be working on, you know, how much under... Uh, they'd ask about what they want to know. They don't actually care about what I do all day long. <laughs> that is both, like, empathetic and... Horrible? I don't know. No. Uh, so it's good. No, it's, it's good. It's real. good. It's, it's just, just real. real. It's uh, yeah. It's smart. They're relating it back to themselves. Okay. Who has a who? Who else has a question that I, I can come because I keep asking questions. Okay. Good. Hi. Hi. I'm just curious. What is the most challenging part of dealing with a board of regents as your boss? I'm getting a magnet. <laughs> 
Well, I, it, I, I'm, I think I can answer that without, you know, risk of professional peril, is that there's 12 of them, and they all have their own opinion. So you have 12 bosses, and that's, that's hard. <laughs> that's a good, straightforward, it's true. politically safe answer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes. <laughs> Very good. Any other questions, or otherwise I'm going to go up and yay. Uh, I'm just curious what surprised you the most, or what has been least like you expected since you started. So I, I gave this answer once before, and it also ended up in the paper, <laughs> which is the media scrutiny. Not that uh, I knew there was a lot of it. I mean, I did you know, my homework and, and was able to very easily Google everything about the university, which was a pretty good sign of the fact that it's covered a lot in the press. But um, I, it's one thing to read it and see it, and it's another thing to live it. And I, I find that um, it's, that's part of my adjustment. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Can you say more about that? Like what? Like what, what is like? What is that media scrutiny like? Like that we would not know or appreciate. Like are they? Are they sitting? You live at Eastcliff, is that correct? I will. They're will. they're doing some repairs there, but I moved. Are they in cleaning soon. up Mr. Kaler's mess? He, it, no, come on. You're gonna, now you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> he was neat as a pin. <laughs> so uh, so they're they're uh, patching the walls and. Um, they had to get the chandeliers back straight. Exactly, again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but so what? Did the the media like just it's sit not, outside and like snap no, photos? No, no. And we have, I mean, we have this. The media here is very, very high quality, and it's not that. It's just the the um, amount of attention is. I'm a I'm a despite appearances to the contrary in this exact moment, a pretty private person, and so it's. I find it strange that people are that interested in uh, what we're doing. It's not typical for the university or the university leadership in other parts of the country to get as much coverage. It's just the quantity of the coverage. That's interesting. Is that because, and I mean, this is obviously an educated guess, but is it because we have a media here that is just particularly interested in, or alternative theory, this is my theory, we don't have enough like celebrities in Minnesota and so we cover... <laughs> the University of Minnesota president the way that we might cover if we had, no offense, real celebrities. <laughs> None taken. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm not sure I know why. I mean, it's not uh, uh, a good or bad thing. It's just very different from what I'm used to. It was a little bit of a surprise to adjust to it. So we were talking about this a little before the show, but I, if you're... Uh, you did. You said you're sort of a private person. You're now like out in front of everybody all the time. What do you What do you do then, like, in order to balance that? Like, how do you try and stay sane? <laughs> I was going to make a quip about Are we sure I'm sane? But I yeah. think that might be a bad look for the university. <laughs> that would end up to, in the paper. That's yeah. a bad one. So I, um, I, I. I you know, I, tr I exercise, I try to retain some quiet time. I have really good friends um, who I... Uh, have you... Did you have friends before you moved to Minnesota? <laughs> no, I don't mean that, like, I mean, I, in that it's... it's People talk about it's hard to make friends in Minnesota sometimes. So, I mean, you, you're a transplant. You're, like, a prime example. Like, did people invite you over for dinner, or did they just say, well, good luck? Uh, <laughs> There's... People are very have been very friendly to me, and so uh, there are lots of fun things to do. And and part of this job, this is one of the perks of the job, is there are always fun things going on at the university. You know, we have speakers, and we have sporting events, and we have artists, and you know, we have 
students presenting their research. I mean, I could do things every day, all day long, just through the job if I wanted to. And I have a few friends locally, a couple of people I knew before I got here. And then I have, I'm, I'm a friend collector, so I have um, really good friends in my phone. I think you all know what I'm talking about. And uh, most of that communication is this, except for when we get together, and that is very balancing for me. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just a last, uh, a last few things about this. So uh, you're, you've started this job. I th- we, again, we're talking a little bit before. You have sort of like a lot of just learning that yeah. you're doing mm-hmm. right now. Um, you know, somebody asked you about what was most surprising. Was there anything that you learned uh, while in sort of the, I don't know, gearing up to be doing this job that was surprised like oh uh the university of minnesota has a series of uh like escape patches that i get to use uh (laughs) like i don't know is there anything that you learned that was just totally like i did not expect that are there escape patches and no one told me that would be such a bummer not to know that no i there are a lot of pleasant surprises about things i'm going to tell a story that i i told the story during my inaugural address but i like it so much i'm going to tell it again and i'm going to tell it again and again um, so we have a regent whose name is Tom Anderson. He lives in Alexandria and Douglas County, and he's a big advocate for what we do with healthcare because he received um, heart repair surgery that was pioneered here, and he probably would have died um, but for that surgery. And and he's so grateful. I mean, we call there's a whole art around grateful patients, and he is quintessential. And now he serves the university as a regent. He's a really lovely man, and I have heard him tell that story many times, and it's really really moving. And then uh, a couple of board meetings ago, we're taking the uh, board members over to um, a lab where they, this was in the paper too, where they unlocked the genome on the zebra mussel, which is this really challenging invasive species. And you took the board members over to see where that science is being done, which is, you know, lots of flashing lights and whirling machines and very, very very sophisticated um, genetics research. And one of the scientists is just standing there talking to me and to um, Regent Anderson and says, and you know, my mom had the next generation of that surgery five years later and it saved her life. And so I owe my very existence to that. And now I'm here solving this other problem that the state of Minnesota has. And how cool is that? I mean, even telling it again, and I've told that story you know, dozens of times now it gives me a chill. And I hear really cool, like one-off stories. This, my family had this problem and the university did the research that solved it. Or I'm a fourth generation, um, go for a bulldog, et cetera, around the, the campuses or my parents met and, you know, all these wonderful stories. And, um, it's because of the length and legacy of the university that we have that kind of impact. And, Every time you hear it, you just, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it feels really good. <laughs> uh, speaking of, there, there's an interesting piece as well, which is that you, you noted before, you have kids, and you have kids who are college age, at least some of them, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like a, a weird, because then you're like, amongst all of these uh, students. My kids' friends is who sort are of what like, it feels Yeah, like your kids' me. friends. Mm-hmm. And so, I, does that... I don't know. Does that play out for you? Like, do you oh, totally? Ha- how? I, I think so. Well, I don't know. I mean, we have students in the room, so we could ask them. But I think, uh, well, it was very humbling for me when my daughter, who's the oldest, and she's a couple of years out now, but when she went to school and you saw it from the other side, super humbling because you think you know 
and then you hear it as a parent and you realize that's a whole it's like hearing a dialect almost it's the same words but you're hearing it in a totally different way and that was a really good thing for me I learned a lot I probably learned more from that than I've learned in the last 100 days truth be told but I um I this this age group feels very familiar to me because it's sitting in my dinner table every night. And so I hear what they're saying and what their friends say when they come over or what their friends' parents say when they pick them up. And it's been super helpful to me. I'm actually worried about what happens when my youngest graduates and I lose my inside information because it really has... It's not like the students weren't telling me before. I mean, I've always been very... um, uh, I always listened to and made real efforts to hear students when I was teaching or as I went up through the ranks. But it's different when it's your kid's friend's mom, even if they know I have this other persona and life and job. Uh, and I and so I get things more directly than I used to. And I know there's this time coming when it'll go away, and I think I'll miss it when that happens. Maybe by then my daughter will have children and. <laughs> And no, they'll that be won't happen. super geniuses right. that go to college. <laughs> yes, they will. <laughs> uh, at 10. Uh, or something like or that. Or something like that. Okay, last question for you. Um, you're, you're, as you know, you're 99 days in as university president. Uh, if following precedent, you will likely have a, a good long tenure at the University mm-hmm. of Minnesota. What are the things that you're hoping, like, uh, we should be measuring you on, right? Like, you noted that you're, like, a, a data-driven person. And this mm-hmm. is lovely. I'm giving you the chance to choose the things that we're going to measure you on. But, like, what is it that you hope that, you know, 10 years, 20 years from now, mm-hmm. we'll look back on and be like, oh, during President Gable's, like, time, uh, these things improved or these things even stayed the same or whatever it is that you are really like this is what I want to like have my sort of like benchmarks be it is that's almost harder to answer than the first female president question which I everyone noticed I dodged but the um the uh because I mean who knows what 10 years from now or eight or 20 or how you know however long you don't even know how long but uh so there are things that are sort of obvious. You know, we could talk about rankings. We could talk about lowering student debt. We could talk about um, improving our student sense of belonging, graduation rates, things that we know we want to get better at. But everybody wants to get better at those, and everybody should want to get better at those. But I don't know that I feel any particular ownership in those. I think that's the job, and we should all be doing that. But I think for me, the uh, the um, the student mental health uh, phenomenon, epidemic, whatever, we don't even know exactly what vocabulary to use, is deeply troubling to me because it sort of snuck up on us as administrators um, because, uh, well, we don't have the because, actually. We knew that this, you can see from your reports every year that things are increasing and um, and you respond to things incrementally and sometimes when things go up incrementally and then you pick your head up and you look over a three or five year period of time and it's like, wow, that is exponentially more complicated and more widespread than it ever was before. And um, if we commit to uh, freshmen to come on campus and we will elevate you and we will give you things that you can't figure out for yourself or we'll help you figure them out for yourself and your life will be better and you will have a life well lived, that phrase that we use, by virtue of the time and money that you spend with us and not doing something else, then today that means that we're making you healthier too. 
and probably in some way for forever, and we need to get that right. And so I'd like us to get that right. Okay, I know I said, uh, but that's like such an important point, and uh, I do want to just spend a moment talking about that, uh, the, the mental health piece. And uh, let's just forget, go worrying about it being entertaining or fun because it's just very important. Um, you say it, it sort of snuck up on us like it's changed. A, what's changed? And B, do we know, is it something that's changed within a university context or is it something that's changed more broadly than that? Well, we know it's more broadly than that. Actually, we have the data on what's changed. What we don't know is why, right? So we know that 18 to 24-year-olds are 42 to 43% diagnosed with some form of a mental health challenge. 42 to 43% are diagnosed. So that means those are the ones who sought out care and received a diagnosis. So then we know that there's at least some additional percentage who, for whatever reason, culturally, socioeconomically, family environment, stigma, the list is, are not seeking counseling. And if they did go, they probably would receive a diagnosis. So then estimate half, at least, of our students are at that level of challenge. And so you can imagine if you were feeling that way and of the variety of ways, whether you would do well preparing for a test or having a really intense deadline or competing to get into a program or all the things that are baked into an educational experience. So uh, we know that university students are no more likely to have a diagnosis than anyone else. Um, But we also know that we can aggravate it and we can mitigate it. So we want to be mitigating it, <laughs> given that choice. And uh, we're working on figuring out how to get better at that. Okay, last, uh, last piece, because I appreciate you taking the time to talk about that, because it is very important. Um, this is going to be, like, your main job, it seems to me, for, like, the next however many years, which is just uh, give us sort of, like, your pitch, like, why University of Minnesota, right? Like, uh, whether you're talking to a would-be student or you're talking to a legislator or you're talking to the community at large, like, there are people we already know in the audience who are connected directly to the University of Minnesota. There might be people here who just came because they love the theater of public policy. That's a joke. Uh, So... um, Help us make like the case. Why why should everybody in Minnesota care about the University of Minnesota? So the University of Minnesota system is the only university system that has a land grant mission, world class research, and is anchored in a corporate economy with seventeen Fortune five hundred companies, and that that matters because. We're able to educate you and solve problems for the state and cure you and set you up for an employment future in a way that no one else can. That is very succinct and powerful. Can we all do a big round of applause? President Jones. Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.